0: Alright, welcome back pool fans from across the country and around the world. You are listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week. It is January the 26th, 2017. Yep, we got a lot of good stuff going on in the pool world in the U.S. right now. The uh, Derby City Classic is underway down there at the Horseshoe Casino, Southern Indiana. And... uh, Hot, hot action going on down there. Uh, Mr. Francisco Bustamante took the title so far in the Banks tournament with a killer, killer comeback. You guys, I'm sure there's going to be video to see about that. Um, It was just an amazing, I I, I won't even try to describe it. It was just an amazing uh, uh, scenario. You guys look into that Um, in the one pocket. Efren, uh, as of this afternoon, was undefeated. So as we speak, right now, he's probably going to finish him off. <laughs> we'll have to see how that one pocket goes. Uh, and of course, the Bigfoot challenge, Jason Shaw. Man, it, it, can anybody stop Jason Shaw? He's just on a tear here lately. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jason, if you didn't know already, we just got the AZB Player of the Year award. So, congrats to Shane, uh, Shane, to Jason Shaw for that. Uh, well deserved, as a matter of fact. And uh, you can read a little more about it in this month's edition of The Billiard Buzz there on AZ Billiards, their monthly magazine. Uh, the January edition is out. So, you want to stop by AZ Billiards and check that out. But, yes, the topic, uh, also hot topic this week. Matchroom Sport, the uh, producers and promoters of the Moscone Cup competition, which is uh, USA versus Europe, they have just recently announced a new change in the guard, as it were. Mark Wilson, having been the former coach of the United States, and Matchroom has chosen Johan Reusink as his replacement, not from the U.S., and it has got people up in arms. Wow, I I don't know that I have seen such a strong reaction <laughs> in the in the in the pool public in a while. Um, some people are very delighted about it. Lots and lots of supporters. Lots of positive uh, uh, reactions. And then there's other people that are just as insulted as the day is long. Um, so this is a really interesting topic, you know. Um, So we decided to get with Matchroom Sport, um, and Mike Howerton has done us the favor of getting Luke Riches on the phone, and they're going to discuss it, Uh, the new coach for the United States team, and also the selection process this year is going to be changed up a little bit. So we're going to hear a little bit more about that with Mike Howerton. And Luke Riches, right after this. Hey, this is Thorsten, and you're listening to American Billiard Radio.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of American Billiard Radio. I'm Mike Howerton. And I always end my little segments with, as soon as we have something to talk about, uh, we'll be back on the show. Well, we certainly have something to talk about. Uh, Matchroom Sport, with the announcement of Johan Reissink, the former European captain, as the new American captain. I'm very proud to be joined this week by Luke Riches from Matchroom Sport. Luke, uh, it was an interesting announcement.
2: Um, it was very interesting, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it, it took a lot of people off guard. Um, from our perspective, you know, we put a lot of thought and time and effort into to, to looking at this and who we were going to select next. And, and I, you know, I've I, I read all the forums and the Facebook posts and stuff, and I understand and why that it's upset a lot of American fans that they've had a European captain appointed to the Moscone Cup team, um, which. You know, as I say, I do understand that they feel it's a bit of a slap in the face, etc. But the hard, the hard reality behind that decision was that you know the Americans have won once in the last 11 years, and the event as a com- competition is is waning. And we could see a situation where in a couple of years' time, the event gets dropped by TV and then doesn't exist anymore, which would be a great shame because it's it's a great event. You know, it's a it's a Good event for Matrim. It's a good event for the players, um, and it's a good event for Paul. And, and we just felt that, you know, what what is our be- very best chance for for, for, the Euro- for the USA to become competitive again and and, and win the event? And with, with all due respect to the, the potential people who wrote in to become um, who wanted to become captain, we felt that Johan was, was the man. I mean, his, his his qualification is beyond a shadow of a doubt. The, the very best. Um, he's qualified to, to the eyeballs in coaching his success in the Moscone Cup is fantastic and more to the point I think what he did was he, he managed to turn a core group of European players into people who know how to win the Moscone Cup so when Marcus took over he had a load of guys like Barron and Neils and fellas like that who, who won the Moscone Cup under his tutelage and knew everything you had to do to win it from the preparation what you do at the event how you go with your teammates, all those sort of things which we felt were really missing from the American side.
1: Well, and, and you talk about Johan's qualifications. Um, he took over in 06 and... That's right, yeah. What was... I mean, we know that there was a tie in 06. What was the overall record as far as wins and losses when he took over the team?
2: Uh, well, in terms of... I mean, Europeans had... had had won um, in 2002 for the first time since 1995 and then they not won it. They didn't win again until 2007 when he was, he was catching. So it was a very, very, a similarly a very long period, barren period for the Europeans and I know this, the event was probably a little bit different then. It had some sneaker players in it and, um, and it had some really strong American sides at that time, but um he did really turn it around. He got those guys into that sort of mindset and that team thing. And uh, uh, and just, just he just went from, from good to better, really.
1: Right. They tied in 06. He won it for Europe in '07. Now, he stepped down for a couple of years. What happened there?
2: Yes. Um, we had a bit of a disagreement with him, and, and uh, he, he decided he wasn't going to do it for whatever reason. We found Alex Laly, who did... We didn't find him, but he was there, Alex. And he did very well in his first year. Then they went to Las Vegas and and lost to the Americans when Shane potted the winning nine ball. And that was the last time the Americans won in 2009. And then he came back in 2010 and won Moscone Cuts in 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Um, And he he is an expert on this sort of stuff in sports psychology and and getting players together and, and finding guys, their strengths and weaknesses and and just turning them into players who, who can win, whatever the circumstance. And his record really indicates that that's, that was what he was very, very good at.
1: Now, when he stepped down in 2014, didn't he express an interest in coaching Team USA at that time?
2: Um, I mean, I think he might he might have mentioned it in, in, as an aside, but it wasn't really a, a, serious, uh, a serious proposition because... After that period, when they lost in 2013 quite heavily, we went with Mark Wilson, and Mark was was a great guy, and he, he led the side for three years. Um, but ultimately, the results didn't come, and, and last, obviously last December, when they lost 11-3, we just sort of felt that we weren't really sure where we could go with Mark after that, because to, to have him back next year wouldn't, wouldn't have given us all the confidence that the Americans could have done a whole lot better. So we had to, felt we had to make a change.
1: No, and that's understandable. I, I, I want to come back around to Mark. Um, as far as Johan goes, in building a team, what do you think he does differently than, let's say, a Mark Wilson?
2: I mean, he he, he get he really gets inside, he really gets inside players' minds. I mean, he. What, and the players, in the end, the players. Once he's once he's spent enough time with them, the players will pretty much jump in front of a bus for him, and they feel that strongly about him. If you speak to guys like Carl Boys and Darren Appleton, you know Niels fan, guys like that, they they couldn't speak highly any more highly of him than what they do, and it's and I'm I'm sure he's going to have that the same with the American players as well. I mean, obviously some of them might be sceptical at this stage, but what they're not sceptical about is his ability as a as a coach in this event.
1: Do you think... And I certainly think that there are some American players who, you know, there could be some pushback in the beginning with Johan. Do you think he intends to build a different... a team that looks different than what we've seen the last few years?
2: I don't think so, no. I mean... When you look at the players, that uh, you know, everybody has their own idea of what the team should be, and and every <clears throat> every if you look at the uh, the forums on your esteemed website, you know, every, everyone has strong opinions about who who should be in the team and, and get outraged when somebody's in it or when somebody isn't in it. But in the end, uh, you've got a team of five players, and they'll be up and up and around the best players available, and you know. He, he's, going, he's going to work with those players and, and he, he's going to have some leeway. He's going to be, we've changed the, uh, the ranking system's going to be changed a little bit in the respect that he is, uh, at the end of the ranking system, which will end in end of August, early September, which I want him to the US Open, there'll be a top 10 and he will pick five players from that top 10 plus one other who may well be in the top 10 and he's going to look at, he's going to then coach those guys. I mean, he's going to be he's he's going to be spending a lot of time in the States. He's going to be spending, he's got at least four lengthy visits scheduled in the summer and onwards. Um, And he's got a budget. So I think he's going to spend a lot of time over there working with these guys in in the same way he did with the Europeans when he was in charge.
1: So then theoretically, a player could end up number one on the points list and still not be chosen?
2: Well, yeah, that's the case. But uh, Obviously, when when Mark Wilson took over when things were in dire straits, he he had the he had the, the option the first year of picking the, the team entirely from whoever he wanted to pick, um, and then obviously the following year went on to to the to, to back to the three from the rankings two wild cards, which was again the same last year. So with Johan's first year, he's going to he's going to pick players, but they're going to have to perform somewhat in the preceding months in order to get on the radar. And then he can pick you know, six from six players and then five from that. And that's going to be his team. So he does need to have a little bit of, a little bit of uh, um, his own input into that rather than having players forested on. Because if he doesn't like a certain player or, or a couple of players, he's not going to pick them. But I think he thinks he can work with all the players. He thinks he, even players he might be deemed to be difficult. I think he's fully um fully confident that he can work with those players and make them play one of the complaints
1: that a lot of people have including some of the players is that there were a large number of events on seven foot tables that were part of the points list and you're (laughs) saying that the us open is not even going to be on the points list which with its scheduling i can understand why do you worry that you're not going to have enough nine foot events to to really separate the better players? You're going to end up with bar box specialists?
2: Um, it, it, is, it is a difficult one, Mike. Right? I mean, but we've decided this year not to include any seven foot table events. Um, and that's because last year we tried to be as inclusive as we could and, and get as many events involved as possible and get players playing and players not having to travel everywhere because there'd be more local events. And you know when you look at the the three guys who finished top of the pick, um, it was uh, Shane Deshane and um, Skyler Woodward. So it it wasn't like three dummies coming out of the pack. Um, But I I think I think just talking to the players, I think a lot of people and listening to what fans say as well, I think a lot of people felt that that going on seven foot tables was probably did it a bit of a disservice, and we kind of took that on board, and so we're just going for exclusively nine foot tables. But then the next question is whether there's enough events. There are obviously there are events. We'll probably change the point structure. So some of the the bigger events in that period, like for example Superbilities Expo, will get more points, and some of the ones with the smaller events with lesser prize money will get much less points. But we're going to we're going to announce it fairly soon, a you know a roster of events, and and then it's up to the players really. I mean it, it is a difficult thing because if there was you know 15. 20,000, 30,000 added events it wouldn't be a problem but that's not the reality anymore so um, you know we so we, we have to cut our off accordingly and try and find enough events that will give us a decent enough ranking
1: and I can see how difficult that would be um, it, you know I understand the inclusion of the 7 foot events based on just uh, in Europe it seems like it's easy, you know you have the euro tour you can you know you can build a points list around that and and besides that there's there's a number of events over there. America just doesn't yeah. have them
2: there's a lot there's a lot of, a lot of um, you know smaller events with like $5,000, seven thousand dollars added. and I suppose the idea is to, rather than put one of those on is to put lots of those on because obviously players aren't going to go to all of them and then you know, look at the look at the big events. I mean the other thing is whether to include world events on that, because obviously not a lot of Americans play on what you call world events like China Open, the WPA mind ball. But obviously if an American does go there, like say Shane does and, and gets in the final both times, you know, that's got to account for something in terms of points I feel because you know they've they gone they've gone somewhere and against the strongest possible field and, and done really, really well. I think it'll be
1: hard not to have any points for doing that. We we can't have a conversation about the the US captain without talking about Mark. Um Mark was the captain for 3 years and Mark had a plan and I had even commented 3 years ago that I saw a a respect for him from the players that I didn't think I had seen before. What do you think happened with Mark?
2: Um, well, uh, you know, I think, first of all, I have to say that Mark is a, is a really good guy, and he's so committed to Paul you wouldn't believe. And, you know, his heart is absolutely in the right place. And it was kind of that was the basis why he, he got the, the the job or the position in the first place. But but I think, you know, he had a three-year plan, and ultimately the final event, they lost 11-3. I just, don't, I just didn't really see any great connection with him and the players. You know, I, 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 it just didn't, it, to me, I mean, obviously in the end with something like that, the, the results speak entirely for themselves and that's what somebody's judged on in sports rather than other things. And I think he was very successful in a lot of the other things which, which weren't necessarily, you know, getting a result in the Moscone Cup. And, you know, after three years, we felt that he had a, you know, he had a decent crack of the whip. Um, and, you know, from our our position, we, you know, we committed ourselves to him for three years um, and it didn't work out. And, and, and you know, that was that. And, and he moves on and, and we move on.
1: So did he come to you and say, sorry, guys, it didn't happen? Or did you go
2: to him? No, I mean, I think we... we Kind of spoke, spoke, or wrote to Mark, and just sort of, you know, spoke to him and said, you know, that this, it's not really happened, and you know, you had three years, and we'd like you to stand down, and and he agreed to do that, and and we're now in a different situation entirely with the American team captain.
1: When you talk about the connection that the captain has with the players. I've I've stated my own opinion in the past, but I'm I'm curious what yours is and what the opinion is from outside of the US. Do you think that the European players have a different level of respect for the captain, no matter who that captain is, than the American players?
2: Um, not necessarily. No, I think, I think regardless of people's nationality or where they're from, I think, you know, relationships between human beings are, are really about those human beings. And, you know, I, I know that Johan and Marcus is like it as well. I mean, the, the guys are just, um, the teams that, that play for, for them are just, you know, blind in their, in their sort of the, the way they follow him and do, do what he says and and get themselves winning and, and, and they're confident so if you look at the European side when they turn up at an event you just think well they, they just know they're going to win there's nothing there's in their minds looking at them there's not a shred of doubt that they're going to win the, the Moscone Cup and funnily enough when, I, when we had the 2013 event in Las Vegas when it ended 11-2 um, talking to Johan before the event it, when the U.S. team was kind of like the, the big guns of previous years. Johan yeah, said so it's the first time I've come to the Los Angeles Cup thinking there's a good chance. Now we're not going to win, and ironically, they won 11 eleven-two. But you know, it, 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 things things change and things can happen. It's it's just if you can, those players on that those American players at that time didn't play. But I just think another set of players in another. Set so circumstances could easily bring the Moscone cover over the Europeans, but they just have to they just have to get it right. And I think Johan's a guy that can do that. He's he's an expert and he's an expert at handling other human beings. I think that's what he's really good at, and making them play. And I think that that's really what he's going to be trying to do this December. There
1: were there was talk from last year's event pointing out the differences between Mark Wilson and and Marcus where Marcus was down there on the rail talking to the players you know whatever it was that he was saying he was he was helping them you know be ready for a shot be ready for a game helping to provide support for them where Mark was more of a hands off you know it seemed like his work went into preparing them for the event and in the practice room but when it was when the lights came on and the balls were broke, he kind of stepped aside and let the players handle it. Where does Johan fall in that, uh, scale or range?
2: Um, well, I mean, I wouldn't say one, one way's the right way and one way's the wrong way. I mean, you know, if Mark's team had won, you know, people wouldn't, wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here, but, um, I think Johan's more—he's more of a guy that, that lives it, if you know what I mean. He's, he sits on the rail in his chair, and he's up and down, and, he's, and he talks to his players. He gives his players meaningful advice during the match and at critical points. And you know, he's, he's just—he's always there for them, every step of the way. Um, I'm not saying that, that being a little bit further back in the seats and, and not getting up and getting down is, is the wrong way to do it. Far, far from it. I'm just saying that. That way worked for, uh, for Johan and it worked for Marcus as well.
1: Is Marcus staying on as the European captain?
2: He is, yes.
1: Yeah. That should be interesting.
2: Well, I mean, the other thing as well is that I've not spoken to Marcus, but I'm, I'm, I would suspect that for, for the European players, or the guys, who, the, the core of them, are likely to make the side of them, as well as Marcus, I don't suspect they're too. Too thrilled at the idea of seeing Johan in the opposite corner because they, some of them, have played for him and they all know him and they, know, you know, they know how good he is. And they might, they might, that might, you know, because as I said before, the Europeans turn up with just so much confidence, and they may that may not be the case this year.
1: And this is actually something I should have asked earlier in the interview, and I meant to. Um, you know, a lot of people seem to be balking at the idea of. We had to bring a European in, and it's Team USA. And how should a European be involved? I mean, and and they need to be reminded this is fairly common out there in the the international, not billiards scene, but in, in the international sports scene. This is something that happens all the time, isn't it?
2: Well, I think that it's almost the, the norm rather than the exception in international sport that. That people like if you look in the English Premier League for soccer, I think there's out of the 20 teams, there, there can't be more than about three or four that have got an English coach. The rest of them have got foreign people in, and, and that's just how it is. I mean, people move all over the world. It's an you know, globalized international world. Um, but I, do, I mean, I, I do understand people who, who think, well, how can we have an American team with a European coach, particularly a European coach who's who's beat us in previous years, and and. There's not an easy explanation to that because apart from the fact that the event needs saving and and he seems and appears to us to be the best bet to do it. But in the end, if if America did win, it would be because five American guys with their hands and their arms and their heads and their eyes won the matches. and It doesn't matter who's in your your corner. It's just somebody trying to get you ready for it. But In the end, you're the people who, who pop the balls and win the matches. And you know, I think people need to see beyond the fact that it, it's a European coach and look at the players and look at them, at them as the people who, who would be winning the Moscone Cup, not the coach.
1: Right. I mean, the coach isn't out there hitting balls. They're just he, he's just there to help the team be ready to hit
2: balls. Correct. Yeah. I mean, he might, he might, you know, and, and the idea that so they're, they're a coach who teaches the players to you know, to to play shots and keep their elbow in and all this sort of stuff. I don't think, I think when guys get to the stage of the level of the Moscone Cup, you know, they might need straightening out here and there, but they're not going to have somebody who's going to teach them how to play pool because they can play pool and, uh, you know, we understand that. But I think it's 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 more, it's a mental thing where it's pre- preparing people mentally to get them in the right shape, whereby they can perform at their very best in, in the most extreme pressure. Which a lot of people can't do that in sport.
1: I would, I would imagine that even playing the finals of the U.S. Open doesn't prepare a player for the kind of pressure, especially when your events in London that they have at Moscone Cup.
2: Um, yeah, I mean it's it's out of the norm for Paul. I mean when, when you look at you know other events. Um, it doesn't not only does attract that size of audience, it also doesn't attract, you know, that, that atmosphere and the way the fans are just really just full on for for the whole thing. Um, and I, I think it, and also the team thing, you know, when you're when you're out there playing, you're playing for four other people, plus a load of people in the stands, plus a load of people watching on TV. You're not playing for yourself. If you're playing for yourself, if you lose, you lose, and you go and kick yourself, and the way you go. But if you're playing for a team, there's kind of really extra pressure. But it works the other way. If you do well for a team, there's you know there must be nothing like potting the winning ball in a in a Moscone Cup match and getting surrounded by your teammates because that's what the sort of moments in sport the people the reason they play the game in the first place. I think.
1: Well, and you know, going back to the number of events that we have in america moscone cup has kind of become this topic that we talk about all year
0: yeah.
1: uh, i mean in the beginning it was hey there's this cool event that's happening at the end of the year and it's it's kind of like the Ryder cup and the players get a chance to play in it now it almost seems like american pool is built around the moscone cup to a degree
2: I think you can say the same for European, pool as well. But, I mean, that that, that is that is probably caused by two things. The, the, just the growth of the Moscone Cup and its excitement and the fact that it's international, it's on TV, plus the fact that other events in pool have, have kind of diminished over the years. So uh, when there was, I don't know, the IPT, for example, I mean, that was a, f- a fantastic thing. Well, ultimately, it was, a, it was a failure, but it was a fantastic thing. It created a lot of interest. And people talked about it all the time because it was, you know, all of a sudden it was a big professional, uh, big money tour for Paul. And it, it didn't last. But, you know, since when that went, it's it's kind of struggled on. And the Moscone Cup, because it's such a big event now, it, it is the one that people talk about. And, and even if they talk about it they say, I'm not going to watch anymore because you've got a European coach, but they're still talking about it. And, <laughs> and you know, and, and long, might, long might stay that way. I and, mean, you know, we, we're desperate for the, for the Americans to be competitive again, to start, you know, to, to, to run them close and, 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 and win it, ultimately. Because that's what it needs. I mean, that's that what's good about the Moscone Cup. When you get close matches when, you know, nobody wants to see one where the Europe win 11-3. It's kind of like, it's just, it's terrible. It's it's, it's great for the European fans, but ultimately even they, they will feel it. A hollow victory, but just something that is, you know, almost ordained when they turn up.
1: Do you at Matchroom feel a level of pressure now that the event is looked at this way?
2: No, I mean it's in the end it's sport, and you know you can't control it. You, you know people people play, and you get you, the event goes off, and somebody wins and somebody loses. But you know you you, you try and do your best to try and. Try and make it as, match it up and make it as fair as possible and make it as competitive as possible. Ultimately, if one team keeps winning, that you can't. There's nothing you can do about that. You can't. You can't weaken the European side to make it more even and stuff like that because that's really not what it's about. But uh, you know, in the end, you just try and do your best and and and, and hope that, that the people that you appoint do what they're going to do and, and 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 things change and and it becomes something that the Americans become competitive in.
1: There has been, amongst other topics, you know, when it comes to Moscone Cup, uh, a lot of people seem to like to throw out the idea that it should be North America versus Europe. Is that something that you guys have ever considered?
2: Um, No, it isn't something we considered for quite a good reason, really, because... You know the the Mosconi Cup is Europe versus America, and it was always the Americans were always winning. And then then it went a bit even. Now the Europeans are always winning, but in the end, to to kind of subvert the aim of the event or the the original ethos of the event, and what would it be for to to, to incorporate maybe one Canadian player or not? I don't know. It's it doesn't to me it doesn't seem to be that's not what to me that's not what's wrong with the Moscone Cup where there isn't a Canadian player on the American side or the North American side. I think it's something a little bit deeper than that which we're trying to remedy now. And I don't think, you know, if Canada, if Canada had a, a, a huge pool scene with like dozens of world stars, but it probably doesn't, and I don't really see what, how it would help, help the event in the long run to, to include a Canadian player.
1: No, we have all the talent in America. I, I, I agree with you that we certainly have enough talent to win the event if they're handled properly. One of the players who doesn't seem to do well at Moscone Cup, uh, Shane Van Boning. I I mean, certainly you can't have a Moscone Cup team without Shane, but as America has struggled, it seems like he has struggled too. Uh, Do you see that from your side of things?
2: Shane has got an absolutely terrible record in the Moscone Cup I and mean, that's that's not an opinion that's just the facts um but coupled with that is the fact that Shane is you know one of the top two or three players in the world and has been for probably about a decade really and 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 he's just such a great player to watch and he's so relaxed and and you know he's a great guy you know he's, everything about Shane is good but when it comes to the Moscone Cup he, he just can't he can't catch a gear in it it's I think it's almost like he's from being in the losing side for so long, it's kind of like done him in a bit, and I just think he needs. I mean, we saw it last year in Vegas when he played with Deshane and they they won a, a a five four match just before the close of play, and I've never seen Shane like that. He, he went absolutely mental, really. Him and Deshane went absolutely all over the place, and it was just a great thing to see. Like Shane having success in the Moscone Cup and his reaction to it. Now, I think that he's he's a key guy, Shane, in the Moscone Cup because there is no reason why he has such a bad record. Um, certainly not a reason within himself as a player and his ability. But I think if, if he's the guy, if, if he can, if, he's, if Shane starts winning his matches, then then the USA can win the Moscone Cup without a shadow of a doubt. But he is a, he is kind of a critical character in this Shane, and, and he does. You know, you've got to, just got to look at the stats. If he, if he wins matches, the USA, if you look when we were in Blackpool a couple of years ago, if Shane had won his matches, all of them, okay, that's a big ask, but some players do win all their matches in the Moscow Cup. But if he'd won all of his matches, they'd have, gone, they'd have gone into the last day ahead. And, you know, there's, there's things like that you can look at, but I just think he needs to get somebody to, to make him believe in it. And I think if he can do that, then I think you set him free, and I think he'll, he'll just go in the event. And, and win matches and, and match after match after match.
1: And that goes back to the Johan thing. Um, you know, if if he's able to get into Shane's head and, and figure out what it is that is causing him to struggle, then, you know, like you say, that that does make it a whole lot easier. Not Not that it's easy by any means, but you know, it certainly makes competing a whole lot easier than it has been these last few years.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Shane's just felt the pressure a bit, really. I think, he, he you know, because he's he's record. I mean, he, he won the rankings this year by such a long distance. I mean, he was so far ahead of the next next guy in second place. Um, and I just think, but I just think he's, when he gets to the event, I just think he's just been... He's just been hurt by too many years of, of being beaten, and he and, and he and he struggles in it. But I, like I said before, I just feel that he's he, he's just there to to be turned around and turned into a champion of that event. I,
1: I think we've covered most of the complaints, most of the the real complaints. The yeah. whole "who does Matchroom think they are" argument is ridiculous. But the only other complaint well, that I that I see a lot of people talking about is the break. They say that the Americans are just not comfortable with the break rules. Um, now, you made these changes years ago.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, at the moment, we, we changed it a while back to get rid of the three-point rule where three balls have to go past the headstring or be pocketed or whatever. But I think I mean, the only difference now is that the, we, we, they're racked in a wooden rack by hand, by the referee, and the players can look at the, look at the rack, and then they can break from wherever they like. But the, the biggest difference is, I think, that the, the the nine is on the spot that we've had in the Moscone Cup and our other events, and in America, it's the one on the spot. Um, but what we're doing, our Whirlpool Masters event, which is happening next month in Gibraltar, we reverted to the one on the spot to see how that works out um, with a view to maintaining that through our other events like throughout the year. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so I, I think that that's something that... Because you, if you look at it, Mike, you think, well, if one really t- t- fundamental part of the game, which is the break and where the balls are on the break, if that favours one side or has done over a period of time, not not through trying to help them or anything, but just it was done originally to counter the soft break and stop the wimble wind ball, wind ball sliding into the pocket. But, you know, if, if it effectively favours one side, then it, it seems... Justice or fairness at least uh, that that it, it should not necessarily fail the other side but take away the take away the advantage that one side may have by it being there and so we're looking at that and that's something that we're looking to possibly bring into into effect at the Moscone Cup this year.
1: And how soon do you think the players will know which direction you're going to go on the break?
2: Well, as I say, we're looking at it. We're going to have our World Pool Masters event next month. We've been one on the spot, and you know we're looking at how it works in that event, and it's going to be a lot of top players, you know, who are good at breaking the ball and and, see, and Shane's playing as well, and see how they get on. Although shame won the event two so years running with it on the nine on the spot, so that kind of <laughs> renders that argument a little bit. But nonetheless, that's what we're looking to do because we just feel that if one thing gives an advantage particularly to another side, then we should stop it.
1: We've spent most of our time talking about Moscone Cup, and I did want to touch on an event that you kind of announced at the last Moscone Cup, the Reyes Cup. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, the Reyes Cup is um, its kind of like the Moscone Cup, but it's Europe against, or would be Europe against Asia instead of Europe against America. It's not a replacement for the Moscone Cup. It's an event to run alongside it. But it's... Um, it's it's not signed and sealed or done and dusted yet. We're, you know, we're still talking to broadcasters and we need to have a solid commitment from a broadcaster for the event to go ahead, but that's what it would be. And we probably, you know, be the same five guys that won the Moscone cup against a, a team from Asia. I mean,
1: <laughs> Assuming that the team from Europe wins the Moscone cup.
2: Well, if, if it, if it happens this year, Oh, so, okay. obviously, yeah. So the same, the five guys from the Alexander Palace, but, you know, it, it, it's a great event, and it sounds it, it sounds good to me. But, but it's just like all the things we do; it needs, you know, TV interest for for it to kind of get off the ground. And we think there may be TV interest in it. Um, and then we, you know, we take five Asian guys maybe, two Taiwanese or Chinese or Filipino, Japanese or two Filipinos, whatever, um, and pit them pit them on exactly the same format against the European side and see what happens.
1: Let's say that Johan does his job and America wins the next couple Moscone Cups. Would that then lead to an America-Asia Reyes Cup?
2: Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, and if, that, that, if that happened, that would be great. And it certainly it might have an impact on the Reyes Cup. I don't know whether it becomes whoever wins the Moscone Cup against a team from Asia. That's a, obviously certainly a certain possibility that it could happen, yeah.
1: And then you would come out with a series of events in Asia that would that would help to pick that team.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's difficult because if you look at the the scene in Asia, it's it's kind of it's fairly Chinese centric. Um, you know, not no events to speak of in the Philippines. Um, there's a few in Taiwan. We'd have to look look at that. I think probably for the first year it would be a hand-picked team, but it would be a hand-picked team with you know, the very best players. Um, And if we could find a way of having a a fair and equanimous ranking system from Asia, then obviously we'd implement it. So it gave everyone a chance to be in it. But we'll see how it works out after the first year. But it's an exciting event. I mean, it's, you know, I think any Paul fan would would love to see that. I mean, and, you know, I I think there's a good chance for this event. So we're, we're really hoping that's going to come off.
1: And you you would know what kind of lead time you would have to have for an event like that, so when might we see some kind of confirmation as to whether that's going to happen or not?
2: Um, fairly soon, probably in, in the next month or so, and then we'd be looking to do it in sort of mid-summer or late summer or something. Probably in London, maybe at the Alexandra Palace and uh, and see how it goes. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see a team with coping and... Wu Cha-Ching and Lee Van and guys like that against the Europeans, how, how they fare. Probably quite well, I imagine.
1: And would you shoot for alternating venues like you do Moscone Cup, or would it always be in London?
2: Uh, no, I mean, it's, it, not everything's about money, Mike. If, if, if you can find somebody's interested enough in the event in the Philippines or China or, or Taiwan or wherever he wants to get involved with it, then, you know, that's what we probably... Ultimately, that's what we're aiming to do, to, to do a home-and-away thing one year in Europe and one year in Asia, much like the Moscone Cup, really.
1: And, it, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that it it's about the money. I I kind of alluded to who does matchroom think they are. I mean you guys are the ones who put on the event it's it's your event you created it you're the ones you know it's 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 not funded just out of generosity from you guys saying hey we want to throw you know a million dollars or whatever it costs to produce the event at an event i mean you guys have to sell it to to television there's there's a lot more involved in your events than even something like the US Open while the US Open certainly Looks for avenues where they can uh, put the players out there and put the matches out there. I mean, you guys do events at such a different level, and sometimes I don't know if people really truly understand that.
2: I don't know. I mean, we're we're, we're quite transparent in what we do, but uh, you're right. I mean, we do, you know, we've got a lot invested in these events, and, and, you know, we like Paul's stuff. Always been part of Matchroom for well, maybe twenty five years now. so you know we've we've been been in the sport a long time and, and we we're still we're going to be in it a long time going going forward. but um yeah we, we we do we do you know these events do cost a lot of money and and we do pick the captains and 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 I can see that how that doesn't sit that great with you know, some American fans thinking that you know, we pick the captain, but in ultimately, it's kind of our investment and and if you put it out to the you know, to a democratic vote, you, you might get somebody who, because with all fairness to the fans, most of them aren't in the business and don't really know how it is or who, who's who or how it works. And, you know, they might vote for somebody who was just clearly terrible. And, and I don't think we could, we could... And there's no association. Like with the Ryder Cup golf, it's different. There's such a big organization of golf behind each side going from the very top all the way from the grassroots involving... Hundreds of thousands of people. Paul isn't like that. It doesn't really have a, you know, an effective governing body as such. So, you know, until something like that happens, I don't think we'd be prepared to to, to lose control of who we felt should be captain. Although, with regards to the players, we we, we did that some time ago because we both sides used to be hand-picked by us going back, probably quite a long time really now. But, you know, in the end, we just thought no. That, that, that players be picked by ranking, so it's a meritocracy, and that's what happened. And so now, basically, anyone can get in the side if they if they play well enough and get enough points.
1: Well, uh, I appreciate your time today. Um, hopefully, some of these answers will will help relieve uh, the the animosity that that you see out here. Um, Somehow, I doubt it, but
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean people are entitled to their opinions, and sure that's that's fine, and don't don't begrudge people their opinions at all but it's um, i mean i do i do look at your i do look at your forum from time to time and look at the threads about our events and, and and see what people say and you know sometimes people say things that you think well, I, I feel it's got a good idea there and, and you look at what you do and, and you know it does happen because. You know, we think we know everything about our events, but often we don't. And sometimes somebody who's a, a, a third party might say something that, that makes you think about how you do something. And it, uh, it, it does happen. It, it has happened. So we do look at your forums, Mike, and some Facebook discussions and stuff. And, uh, you know, people have opinions of the faith, but and they're not always right or they're not always based on facts or whatever. But nonetheless, some people do have you know, good, strong opinions on things that we
1: do listen to. And that's a refreshing thing to hear. You know, it's it's pretty common out there to say it's my event or it's our event and I'll do it how I choose, and if you don't like it, then run something better. But, you know, it's good to see, you know, you saying that, you know, you're open to to other ideas.
2: Yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't ask people to petition us for ideas, but... You know, when you listen to what other people talking about things, you know, sometimes you know, you, people say things that, that make you think about how you do things, and and it's happened enough times in the past to not never discount that avenue as, as an area where you can learn things about what you do.
1: You may not have saw it, but uh, there was a real interesting idea of including a sixth player on the team who was a a member of the largest um, website. Um, like the top American website and the top European website. I, I, I mean, it's completely your event. I wouldn't want to toss ideas out there, but it's just something you might want to consider.
2: What's that? I'm put a, well, like a
1: fan in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's probably the only way that I would ever be involved.
2: I uh, see, Mike. Yeah, you want to get in the event yourself? I oh, saw. I missed that completely. No, you not. You're not. You've got no chance, mate. No what
1: chance. Is. All right. Well. <laughs> no. no. Luke, I appreciate your you know. time. I'll let you get back to okay. it.
2: All right, then. Thank you very much, Mike.
1: All right. Looking forward to uh, to hearing how this whole thing shakes out. And you say that the, the whole yes. American Points <laughs> list, event list, will be ready, you said, within like a month or so?
2: Yeah, about a month or so, yeah. I mean, obviously, when events are happening quite soon, we've put out a release that, you obviously included events that are going to be in it, like Darren's, uh, Derby City, Turning Stone, and we'll probably put another interim in message out about some upcoming events and then we'll publish the whole thing about all the events that will be on it.
1: Sounds good. Okay. I appreciate it and we will talk to you soon Luke.
2: Thank you very much.